Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of A Priest and a Rabbi. My name is Father Christian from St. Mary's Episcopal Church here in Steerit, Florida. Um, and next to me is the most handsome rabbi you've seen this side of the Jordan River, of course. It is my compadre, my colleague. It is Rabbi Durbin. Good morning to you, brother, and welcome to another episode, our 152nd episode. I'm not sure. I haven't paid the bill in a long time, so I don't even know what we're doing here. Good morning. It is wonderful. Father Anderson, to see you today. That's right. So I uh, missed you, my friend. I have missed you. I know I've missed you too. And so uh, we'll, 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 we'll get that all figured out real soon here. Um, we live in Florida, anything goes. So you and I could go to a dance club tomorrow night if we want to. Uh, so listen, speaking of dancing and grooving and moving, uh, we got a guy who's been grooving ever since he graduated from high school, doing everything from matching uh, kids with their big brothers and big sisters that's how he started his career, but now he's matching kids with superheroes. He is Gabe Lanis from Hollywood CA, who is a, uh, a TV writer, uh, a working TV writer. You wouldn't believe how many agents we had to talk to just to get him on the show um, and the budget we had to get to fly him in for the show. Uh, Gabe Lanis, welcome to A Priest and a Rabbi. You are uh, the writer of everything from Party of Five reboot to uh, Grey's Anatomy, um, you, you wrote the whole Star Wars trilogy, which is amazing, all by yourself. Uh, <laughs> no, but Supergirl. Uh, did you ever think you'd show up on a podcast called A Priest and a Rabbi? This has been a lifelong dream of mine, I have to admit. Ever since I first saw Star Wars, uh, I was hoping that someday I would be able to create some content in Hollywood and make some television so that I would be invited on, uh, on a program such as this uh, with you two fine gentlemen. So that's, this is great. Well, uh, dream come true. Absolutely. Absolutely. Check it off the list. Check it off the bucket list. So why we, the reason why we have uh, Gabe Lonis here with us is we're going to be talking about how do this, the superhero fandom that it's this crazed TV and film, probably radio and other things, but we all I know is about TV and film. Um, what, what does that mean from through a lens of faith? So I think Gabe's going to tell us about his process as a writer, but also what his thoughts on why superhero has never gone away and it's just gotten bigger and bigger. Um, how this affects him in the writing room as a person who writes for a superhero show or has written for a superhero show. Um, but then we'll have Rabbi and I reflect on what does that mean from a, through a lens of faith. Uh, and we'll, what are our thoughts upon these themes of salvation and redemption and justice and mercy and being just unstoppable. So we're going to get into all that. So Gabe Lanis, are you ready to roll on this podcast? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Rabbi Derbs, are you ready to rock and roll, baby doll? I was born ready. Born ready. Okay, good. That's right. All right. I like to use homoerotic language with the rabbi because it freaks out all of our audience. And they come to me later on and be like, do you have a crush on the rabbi? I'm like, yeah, dude, I got a man crush on him. It's all good. So, all right. Um, all right, everyone, you all get ready. Buckle your seatbelts for another episode of A Priest and Rabbi. Subscribe to this podcast, share it with your friends, and leave comments even if you hate us because it helps our analytics. All right. Peace. represent WSTU, since they probably regretted over allowing the show on the air in the first place. Nor do they represent Temple Bay Hayam, 
or St. Mary's Episcopal Church, since they also wonder what the heck they did when they called these two men to lead their respective congregations. On that note, sit back, relax, grab your Bible or Torah, and enjoy another episode of A Priest and a Rabbi. All right. Good morning, everyone. Stewart, Florida. Boy, is my mic hot right now. All I'm hearing is just a bunch of gargling and craziness. There we go. Oh, it's still kind of crazy, but I hope that you guys can still hear me out there in Radio Land. On this end, it sounds crazy and weird. So we're going to have our producer check into that. Um, what's going on, but in any event, my name is Father Christian, and next to me is the ever handsome, the most handsome rabbi this side of the Jordan River. It is Matthew Durbin. Um, we also have with us a, uh, we have, we've gone Hollywood today. If you are in your car right now, if you're in Stewart, Florida, Hope Sound, anywhere in Martin County, and you want to have your Hollywood moment of the day and meet some Hollywood greatness, we got that. We have the writer of Grey's Anatomy, Private Practice, Party of Five, one of the writers, and Supergirl and more, because we're going to be talking about superheroes and faith. Why are we so entrenched in superheroes? So let me first start off the show by just talking with one of my favorite superheroes, which is Rabbi Durbin. Rabbi Durbin, you, with you and all you do as a father of three, you're married to a very powerful rabbi yourself who is, I mean, you outkicked your coverage. She is so out of your league. And I don't know, somehow <laughs> she is out of your Justice League completely, but somehow you pulled her in with your incredible dapper, suave way of doing what you do. Um, how are you, my friend? And how do I get some of your superpowers? Mm, I am doing really well. I'm actually really inspired by uh, today's conversation, certainly our guest. Um, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, superheroes. Uh, grew up with them. Um, you know, really important, I think, not only for, you know, our youth, but also you know, those images, those messages that they communicate. Um, I think that there's a lot, there's a lot wrapped in it, uh, both religiously as well as, you know, secularly, in terms of what they represent, what they give us as people. Um, you know, as a kid, uh, always wanted to be uh, Superman. Um, it, it was, uh, I love it, super priest uh, in front of us here. Um, yeah, I always wanted to be Superman, uh, you know. I guess, I guess the walls came crumbling down when I realized I couldn't fly. Um, yeah, but, uh, nice Jericho reference there. Yeah. Uh, so so, so the, I think today we're going to talk about not just sit there and applaud, but I think we'll just raise up the idea too is, is there any kind of... Um, is there danger in, in our uh, infatuation as a culture with the superhero uh, resurgence that we've seen, especially in America? Well, probably, I mean, I think our, our guest today will tell us how it's affected the globe, that it, it's such a huge money maker. It makes so much money. And so this popularity is huge. So it's huge, like so influential. And as people of faith, as we, you and I are as, as clergy members wondering, um, is there a way for us to be able to channel that, that greatness and the popularity for people to reflect more on their faith and who we think is the greatest superhero, which is God Almighty, 
Um, or is there a way that there is some um, confusion or idolization? Um, but is there a way where we can look at all of this, uh, all of this movement um, and all of this content uh, that can help people uh, yearn and long for the justice and the goodness and the mercy and the authenticity of God? So I, I think what we're going to get into all that. Um, as always on the show, it's always so great to bring in people who are so much smarter than us and who really know. But it's so interesting when you, when you, because you just said it right there about justice. And it seems as if, if you go back to all of these characters that were created, it seems to be that level of justice and, and, and mercy and, and all those major themes that we take in a religious context that had been manifest itself in comic book character form to really put the message forward about justice, about um, you know doing the right thing in some way, in whatever character that we're looking at, uh, just it is. And, and I think what I want to bring up today too is that often in at least in, in in Western cinema, the justice, this focus on justice, always leads us as a society, especially as Americans, we're very black and white about justice, is that the bad guy gets killed, gets done, and the good guy, we, we cheer with the good person. I was just watching a movie last night, and it was just, uh, uh, I, I really care about you or something like that. And we're just waiting at the end moment for her, who's this really bad person, for her to finally get the, she gets shot at the end. And I had to say inside of me, I was like, oh my gosh, finally the bad person. But that's terrible from, like, from a Christian perspective that I'm rooting for her demise, for her to die. Like we want salvation, we want redemption, we want transformation. So we're gonna bring that up about, because there are superheroes and there's times where I, I remember even Spider-Man where the last moment was, there was redemption and forgiveness. So uh, let's bring in the one and only Gabe Lonis. Gabe Lonis, yes, as I said before, has written for Grey's Anatomy. He's written for Private Practice. He's written for Party of Five. Uh, he wrote for Supergirl, which is a big thing. And the only reason why he's on this show because it, the only reason is because he and I went to high school together. Uh, so we actually want to know, we want to know, we want to know beyond the superhero, we want to know what Father Christian Anderson was really like in those high school years. A total jerk. I'll just get this all out. I was a total jerk. I went through, Jesus saved me. I'm a totally different person now. So, so Gabe, when you cut, when Gabe, you can have at it, be as honest as you want. He was texting me last night saying, hey, man, if I talk about this topic, I might I have to be really honest. I'm like, dude, go for it. You're our guest. You do it. We have a producer. He will bleep you out if you start swearing. So without further ado, Gabe Lanis, welcome to A Priest and a Rabbi. Hey, hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me. What a great uh, introduction. <laughs> and uh, this is what I can... <laughs> I, wait, I have to say something about you in high school. Christian in high school... At one point, uh, I don't know if you broke your back, but you were in the back brace forever. We played on the soccer team together. He had these jeans, this pair of jeans that didn't fit him. Really nice jeans. And he was like, hey, you want, do you want these? And I was like, yeah, like, I love, yeah, I'll take your, I'll take that pair of jeans. They were Jerboas, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I wore, the, I wore them into the ground. They had massive holes in them. And at one point you looked at me and you were like, are those those jeans I gave you? And I was like, yeah, they're great. And they had huge holes in them, rips all over it. And you were like, so, you were like, those are great jeans. <laughs> I'm so like, glad they went to use because those jerboats are so expensive back in the day, man. And I'm so glad that you, I mean, wearing things wore, to the ground is the way to go, man. So I wore them every day for like, you know, every day for like two years. <laughs> yeah, that's that's great, man. Yeah, so, 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 so just a little background. Gabe Very and I generous. went to a boarding school together. 
and and so we lived on the same floor we would stay up till three in the morning a lot of times studying for ap middle eastern history and chemistry and uh it was it was it was great so gabe just mm -hmm. thank you for coming on the show of course uh, of course since this is let's give the listeners a little background on you and the reason why they know we're going to be talking about superheroes and faith um but your background just coming out of college um you found your way pretty quickly into becoming a uh, a playwright and then eventually getting yourself to tv can you just give us a little brief way of how that happened Sure, sure. When I was um, out of college, uh, I had been planning on being a teacher and I did some substitute teaching and realized I was not very good uh, at uh, any type of classroom management. And uh, so I was looking for other things to do. Um, and uh, a friend of mine approached me about writing a play for him for this little uh, theater festival in Minnesota called the Fringe Fest. And uh, it was um, it was great. And I wrote the play and we launched a theater company and we would do about one play a year. And it was a lot of work and a lot of fun, but there was no money in it. Um, and so I was working, uh, at that time I was working full-time at uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters as a match coordinator. So I was putting together matches of kids with mentors. And uh, that was a lot of fun and rewarding. Um, but I decided to apply to grad school and I went, came out to uh, Los Angeles, go to film school at USC and study screenwriting, um, which was great. And uh, sort of there, so one of the great things that happens is you make a lot of connections. And I was able to get an internship uh, while I was in film school at uh, working in for Shondaland on the show Private Practice as a medical research intern. Now, how hard was um, it just to get that intro? That, that moment right there is what thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands <laughs> of writers pray every day for, pray to whatever God they follow. How, how did that happen? Just because you were so, I mean, obviously you're very talented, but what, what was there a chance meeting in a hallway where you met someone who knew Shonda? Like how that happened? I mean, it was, it was actually, it was the, the, so the person who was in charge of admissions at USC left that job uh, and went to work in Shondaland, and they had read my writing, obviously, um, she, Moira McMahon, she'd read my writing, and she, um, you know, knew me as a person, and knew me to be, you know, hardworking and studious, and, uh, you know, sort of get, get a job done, so, uh, so she reached out to me, I mean, at that time, you know, I was thinking, you know, there were other shows on that I was a lot more interested in trying to get an internship on, but I had no connection to, so she called me and, and asked if I would come in, uh, you know, and, and do that job, and so I immediately jumped on it, uh, I knew it was an incredible opportunity, but, but it's one of those things where it's like you, all the people you meet, you know, everyone becomes your network and everyone becomes your community that can support you throughout. So it's like, I mean, that's just why you, you know, you work hard, you treat people well. Uh, you know, I always tell people who, who, who want to make it in the business, like the first rule is to be kind because uh, the hours in the business are very unforgiving and people want to know that, you know, when it gets late into the night and everyone's stressed out and even though we're just making television, it feels very important to people that people have to know that it, you're not going to snap, that you're going to be good, that you're going to treat people with respect. So it's like, that's the number one rule, I think. I mean, the other rules are obviously important, like being confident and being good at your job. You have to learn to be a good writer. Um, but yeah, I think the number one thing is being kind in this industry. Um, and that, that probably goes across the board. That should be a rule in every industry. So but, that, it's just real, sorry to interrupt, but I remember when I first started in the ministry, coming from the entertainment mm -hmm. world, that blew my mind because seeing people act the way they do sometimes, you know, people are unhealthy, uh, can be, um, I would be like, wow, if I did that on set back in LA, I would never work again. 
Yeah. Right? But I'm part of a place where people are very forgiving and they work with you and they want you to transform. Like industry is like, I mean, you act like a jerk because 4,000 people behind you would rather take that job who will treat, who will be so grateful. And yeah. I was always blown away about that in other industries, how that gratitude, that hunger for the job, it's just not the, not, it's not the same. So it's, you know, it's a great thing. So. And, and uh, Gabe, just out of curiosity, just for our listeners and just, just for us as well, how do you, throughout your career, how do you remain fresh, current? I mean, do you, are there programs, writing programs, Iowa, wherever it may be to really, you know, spend a month or so or a couple months to really be by yourself to get that, get that spark back? Did you say Iowa? You say Iowa? (laughs) Iowa famously... Iowa has one of the the most outstanding fiction writing programs in the in the country at the well, university. I, so. Okay, well, <laughs> and I, just just to be clear, I applied twice to that program, never got in. So it's very competitive, very good. I did get into USC Film School, so it tells you about like. Do you, you write know, letters to Iowa every day and say, "Look at me now, look at me now"? <laughs> no, I'm what do you mean, I'm boy? A, I probably have to. I'm, you know, in a few years with the television thing fizzles out, I might have to go to the fiction writing program. Be the next Rebecca McKay. Short stories. I wish. I wish. <laughs> um, <laughs> she's amazing. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's um, it's interesting. The thing about television writing is, um, and part of the reason why I chose to go into television writing over screenwriting, like writing for you know the big screen for movies, um, is that television is very collaborative. Um, process where you generally work on a team and part of the idea too is that when you go in when I went into a place as an intern uh, the opportunity to sort of be mentored by the people who work there Um, again that's if you know they see that you're kind hardworking, talented people will take you under their wing to sort of mold you and help you uh, succeed Uh, and so when when you're Part of the part of the idea of like you know this the writer as a as a solitary person, uh, in seclusion, um, is a little bit. It's it's not exactly how we do things on television. Um, we like to communicate with people. We like to have have conversations and dialogue, um, and the the process of you know making producing a uh, an episode of television is very much about uh, you know between five and 10 people in a room, I mean, depending on the size of the show and how many episodes there are, sitting around and talking about the story, what's gonna be interesting, how to bring a new point of view in from a different character and stuff and sort of challenging each other on these ideas and you know, how do you build the best, uh, the best story together? Um, so it's a very collaborative process. And in the time that I was working on Supergirl um, in that company, uh, they, uh, for all those superhero shows, actually, they almost never have a single writer on an episode of television. It's usually at least two and sometimes three or four writers who are writing each episode. So that means that never in the process are you completely on your own. Uh, you know, maybe when you're writing your scenes, you are, but then th- those scenes go to your collaborator and you talk about them and you help make them better. Um, that's one of the things I really love about, you know, television that I really loved about that experience working there was that, you know, when I came in new on that show on season two, uh, I was paired with a writer who had less experience than me, but who had been working on the show in season one, and so knew the voice of the show, understood, you know, what sort of what t- tone to take, and uh, was able to help me, uh, you know, and then in turn, when I had more experience, I was able to do the same for younger writers or newer writers who came in. All right, must so- be, um, um, really challenging, I would think, that when you invest all of yourself into something and to write it and 
you know, it's like the editing process of going back and then having constructive criticism where it, it's, it, it's your creation. I mean, it's something you've created. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, how is that for you as, as a writer to be able to take that criticism, empower yourself to improve, but at the same time, almost either have a veil or not take it personally? Um, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I got to tell you, like, uh, one of the things you learn early on is that, uh, that, that writing is, there's, it's not objective. It's all subjective. Like some people like it. Some people don't. Sometimes other people, everyone will hate an idea you have or a scene you have, but you know, you have a feeling that it's the right scene and the right way to write things. And maybe they're just not visualizing it. Right. So you have to figure out a way to communicate it properly and to change the scene because writing, um, you know, writing for television is it's it's you have to be very spare with your language. It's, you know, one of the, the hallmarks of a good script is that there's a lot of white space. It's not filled with words and as opposed to a novel where everything is on the page. Now, here you have to create images um, with your words and do it in as few words as possible so that people are seeing what they're going to see when it is when it is shot and put on television. Um, and that can be a, that can be a tricky thing to do. And sometimes you have images or language in your head that says one thing, but other people aren't getting that idea. Now, for me, it's like I especially my wife is also a writer. She's also a television writer. And so we often exchange material and trade it to each other. So you sort of have to you have to learn that it's like immediately when my first reader is my wife and we, you know, and I'm sometimes her first reader, although she has a writing partner. So maybe I'm her second reader. Um, you have to learn how to, you know, uh, give notes and receive notes in a way that is not personal at all, that just is just simply about what the material is and how to make the material better. And I think that's an important thing to understand. I've been going through a process where I've been writing a, a new television pilot, and I have so many layers of producers on it. Uh, so, so many people give notes, and often those notes are conflicting. Um, and you sort of have to, you, you just deal with it. And the idea, always what you have to remember is that everybody wants it to be good. Everyone wants it to succeed. And so you have to find what it is in that kernel of what they're saying and how to take that and to use it to make it better. And you can't really be resistant to that, that process. I mean, um, and a lot of these people, I mean, well, all of these people have a lot more experience than I do in producing an original, you know, original piece of television. So, um, so yeah, so I try to take all that and really use it to make, uh, make, make what I'm doing better. That's, and, and Gabe, uh, that that reminds me, wait, that reminds me of what dinner must be like for, 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 for the Durbins, because Matthew Durbin is known to write sermons that are 25 minutes long. And then his wife is also a rabbi. So she probably reviews it. And how, how is she with your writing? Is she, is she pretty cutthroat and pretty straightforward with what she thinks needs to be edited? Or is she come in with the kid gloves and come, you know, pet you on the head and say, baby, you know, maybe you should try this a different way. Or she's like, no. My wife is, uh, my, wife is uh, my, my uh, harshest critic. Um, it actually works in a great uh, and just uh, incredible way. You know, my wife will read it. She'll come back and say, do you really want to say this? Maybe this is a little harsh. Maybe this is a little too, you know, too, um, uh, too impactful. You know, so I, I definitely go over with her. It's nice uh, having somebody that is familiar and is an expert in the field to be able to go through it because there is some type of ownership there. I mean, the words that I write, uh, I, I, especially with the High Holy Days, I mean, I pour over those things for months. Um, and the hardest part is going back to edit, um, you know, because it is so personal. Um, Gabe, what's it like for you 
as, as a writer, when you write something and then your ability to actually see it, um, you know, you're, you're sitting home on a Friday night and, you know, you pop on the TV and there's the episode. That's the program to know that you were a major and integral part of it. I mean, what wh what's that feeling like for you? Uh, I mean, that that feeling is often, I mean, fantastic. <laughs> it's really cool. Uh, like, uh, you know, no joke. It's, 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 uh, it's always amazing, especially when there's, you know, ideas, uh, you know, that you sort of generated on your own, you can take a lot of pride in it. You know, often it's like something that's very collaborative. And anytime you watch any episode of a show that you work on, there are little pieces of it where you're like, oh, yeah, that was my idea. Or like, that was my, you know, so you can take a lot of pride in seeing that stuff um stuff up there but yeah when your name is on it it's like you know and you know you contributed you know in a in in such a meaningful way to to making this thing happen uh you know there's it's just a really nice feeling um it it's really great and it was you know obviously it, you sort of get used to it after a while it's like in the first episode you know you have everybody you know is like taking screenshots of your credit you know when your name appears on the screen and they're very excited and you know, my wife, you know, got for me a gift of when my first credit appeared, she got the, you know, this, the, the screenshot and she printed it out. And so I have a photo of it. Um, but, you know, and it used to hang on the wall in the office, but now it's like, you know, we have photos of my kids in here. And so it's like, it's like that, <laughs> that picture is like, yeah, I, that credit is like, you know, who knows where it is. It's in some box in the basement, <laughs> but but yeah, it's it's really satisfying, and uh, you know, one of the things, one of the interesting things is because you'll 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 write and you'll go to set and you'll be shooting, you know, making a scene, and almost almost inevitably, somebody who works on the crew, because the crews are massive, and they'll say, "Hey, is it like, uh, is this looking how like how you envisioned it?" And it's never exactly how you envisioned it. Sure. But what I learned quickly is like, don't tell people that. Just be like, this is great. It's way better than I envisioned it. Because it actually usually is better than you envisioned it. You just don't realize it until it's done. That it's like you, what you needed. It was the input from the set designers and the director and the, you know, the, the DP, the uh, director of photography to, uh, to make it look amazing. Um, you know, in your head, you have some 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 image of it that's very different. I mean, I you know, I was working on Supergirl. I realized uh, I had you know, you would write a lot of action scenes, and there was sometimes where I'd write all this action. I'd be like, oh, this thing cannot get cut. It absolutely cannot get cut. And then you go through this meeting where they're looking at the visual effects, and it's sort of a line item, you know, uh, veto of it, and they're just like, can we afford this? No, cross it out. Like, can we afford this? Do we need it? No, cross it out. And they're just going through because visual effects are very expensive and the budget was pretty huge. And, uh, and you're just trying to save $10,000 here and whatever, you know, $15,000 there. I mean, it's a lot of money. And so it's like interesting when you see that and you're going through and then you get to one of those things that you really care about. And then on the other, on the other end, the production of it was in Vancouver and they would be like, listen, our stunts team wants to put something together for this. And you're like, Oh no, like I really, I think this is, I think we need to do this today. And it's like, let them put it together and show you. And that inevitably the stunts team was that all these like incredible professionals uh, who've been doing this for, for decades, for some of them will come up with something that is so much better. <laughs> like, and it's just, and then you see it on screen and you're like, that wasn't, you're on set when it's being shot. And you're like, that is amazing. Uh, these guys are incredible athletes and incredible performers and everyone involved in it did an amazing job. And, and then you see it on screen and you're like, I, could not have come up with that. 
Um, so sometimes you wind up seeing stuff that is so much better, um, which is great. <laughs> like yeah, then, get, then you feel the, even better when your name is on it. <laughs> okay, so the core of what you're saying, it's a collaborative art. And if you mm -hmm. can get into that collaboration and trust the collaboration, uh, and at the same thing in a house of worship, that you, you could have a vision. So Rabbi Durbin has a vision that he has, um, but he has all these other people who are feeding into that. And they'll go places where he's like, ah, I don't know about that. But, you know, you trust that God is working through it all. Um, and sometimes you crash and burn. And sometimes it's more amazing than you ever could have come up by yourself. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get into the meat of the show. You're just so interesting. We didn't even get into the superhero part yet. So when we Second. come back. We're going to get into uh, the, what your thoughts are of, of why we as a society are infatuated, love, and spend lots of money on, on superhero content. And what your thoughts are, why, what is, what is going on underneath that? And maybe you could share to us a little history of how we got to this place because there's been superheroes with us for a long time. Uh, but particularly now, in 2021, uh, you've, you've, you wrote uh, Supergirl during a time. How long ago was that? A couple years ago? Uh, yeah, yeah, I left uh, in season four. They're now in season six, I think. Okay, so, so, <laughs> so, so two years, two years. Had a cantankerous, you know, last four or five years in, in the country. So, so I'm sure that fed into uh, how is that channeled through superhero eyes, like Supergirl. Uh, and so, what? Uh, let's get into that. So, we're gonna take a quick break to figure out how we're able to afford flying you out here for the show, uh, and then we're gonna come back and jump right into part two with Gabe Lonis. Uh, Screenwrite extraordinaire all the way from Hollywood, CA. Stick with us on A Priest and a Rabbi. Listening to A Priest and a Rabbi podcast. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe. And please leave a rating and a review. Five-star rating and a positive review if you can. We certainly appreciate it. That is the best way to make sure that others out there just like you can find this podcast. If you want to get in contact with Father Christian and Rabbi Durbin, you can do so by emailing a priest and a rabbi at gmail.com. And the absolute best way to get a hold of the fellas is to call into the radio show. This podcast airs live on the radio every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. on WSTU 1450. And you can listen live online at WSTU 1450. Dot com. And if you want to join the show, you can call in to 772-220-9788. That's 772-220-WSTU. Hey, everyone. This is Father Christian here on A uh, Priest and a Rabbi. So happy for you to be here on this podcast with us. And, and I want to uh, let you know that I have uh, started a uh, YouTube channel called Your Favorite Christian, and you can check it out on YouTube. And uh, every Monday, I drop a new episode, and it's always through the lens of faith, but taking on different topics such as dating, relationships, marriage, pop culture. Uh, I've done one recently where I went out to the art show and talked about how do we find our relationship with God through all the what all the latest artists are doing. Um, last week was what do women really want um, in a man, uh, and interviewing different people to be a part of that. So uh, please check that out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, share, uh, put on the notifications so you get that every Monday. Um, I also want to let you know of uh, we this podcast wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a generous donor from St. Mary's Episcopal Church who wishes to remain anonymous. All he asked though was that um, the information gets out that St. Mary's Episcopal Church here in Stewart has a healing center, and so you can call. If you're looking for a counselor, someone to be there for you during a challenging time, and you can call the church at 772-287-3244. We also have a group of Stephen ministers.
leaders who have been trained over 50 hours of training to be with you and walk with you during a time of crisis. They are not counselors. They are trained just to be more the presence um, of, of Christ or and, and walk with you during a time of crisis, whether it's a, a good crisis of having, oh, my gosh, my daughter's about to get married, or if there's something a little bit heavier. So give us a call, 772-287-3244, and I thank that anonymous donor who uh, makes this all possible. All right, God bless you, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Okay, welcome back to part two of A Priest and a Rabbi here at 1450 AM. A a piece of content on the station you probably never thought you would ever hear um and so we are here with the with the with the wonderful gabe lonis who is a uh, a tv writer out in hollywood california and you've i'm sure you've seen his work read his work and you didn't even know it and here he is because he's written for such shows as the supergirl um gray's anatomy uh, party of five um, the, the 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 reboot because you too too young for for the other one. He's just a young no. stallion, um, and uh, but he's also a father and a and a wonderful husband. And his wife has given us the certification of that. So um, it would also be really tough. It'd be really tough to write Party of Five when we are all glued to our TVs. What was it? Wednesday night at nine o'clock after nine o two one o at eight o'clock, right? Um, but the reboot. We're yes. <laughs> okay. So we want to stay focused on this half of the show because last, 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 last time we were just so infatuated with you, brother, and want to know about how does a Hollywood, how does a Hollywood TV writer work it out? But now we want to know. Get let's get to the crux. Superhero stuff is something that I think, as 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 you know, is is big. There's always superheroes going through the Marvel universe, the DC universe. It makes a ton of money, has huge amount of fandom. It's all over CW. It's all over lots of networks. Uh, Disney. Uh, so, so it's big. So as, as clergy members, um, as a rabbi and a priest, uh, we, we can't help, but we have to engage with it. And we don't have to, but you have to engage with culture. And this is a major cultural phenomenon that's happening. And it brings up so many big themes of salvation, of redemption, of justice, of mercy, all these big stories that we get from our Holy Scripture. Um, and as a Christian, there's big salvific themes that we can really to these messianic type things. So it's, we, we, we want to, there's always that, that juggle from our perspective of how do we engage with it, but not like give over the keys to it. Um, and when does it distract from people to really truly find their own pathway of God and not waiting and wanting for someone with supernatural powers to come that they can find that within themselves. So can you first, you, you worked on, uh, you worked on Supergirl. Uh, what is your take on why people continuously throughout the years have been infatuated and long to uh, to to jump into the whole superhero world? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's um, it's like it's it's fascinating, and I think everyone has their own sort of reasons for it. I think that there are a couple of ideas about it that are very you know universal that uh, that everyone sort of uh, you know can 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 get behind and recognize and understand and you know for me the number one thing and this has to do I you know this has to do with reading comic when I was a kid I was obviously a huge comics fan as well so writing for Supergirl was a big you know a big dream come true for me and uh, the idea that uh, what we look for when we when we you know are looking at at heroes or anything or looking for entertainment and especially for me when we're looking at television and movies 
we want to see courage and we want to see um, people in difficult circumstances rising to meet those circumstances and being victorious. That is something I think everybody wants in their life. It happens in small ways in a lot of, you know, in a, in a lot of different shows that, that we watch and a lot of different movies, you know, and it's something like party of five, there was courage, obviously with the, you know, in the original with the, the parent, the, children overcoming the death of their parents and the in the reboot with the children overcoming the um, deportation of their parents and so we see that and we see people in these difficult circumstances over overcoming that stuff but it's always at such an extreme scale uh, with superheroes that uh, it sort of connects across cultures around the world so I mean it's one of the ideas about you know like superhero movies and why these big blockbusters are so huge is because it's very easy for everybody in the world to understand somebody who's fighting to save the world and fighting to save the people they love those sort of ideas everyone can connect to and everyone you know, has hopes and fears related to that uh, in their own life. So I think that has to do with, you know, for me personally, it's one of the things I look for. Um, and, and what I feel is like universal about the idea. And obviously, there's different the different types of superheroes. I mean, they're the godlike figures with incredible strength, like Superman. Um, and he is sort of, you know, you can't have a conversation about superheroes without talking about Superman because he was really the, the, the first of the, the modern era. Obviously, if you go go back, it's like, you know, mythology, Perseus or, you know, Samson and the Bible is somebody who's in, endowed with super strength. So so these it's been around a long time, this idea. Um, but yeah, it's like there are people like Superman who have this godlike strength, who can be saviors, who can save anyone and save the day and represent all these ideals that we aspire to uh then there are you know um you know there there are now obviously many different types of superheroes but at a certain point you know the x-men came about uh and for me when i was a kid reading the x-men that sort of represented something to me um where these were characters who were other who had this ability and this thing that set them apart and made them a little bit unaccepted, they made them unaccepted by society when it was, when it was discovered and they became outcasts. But what they learned is that the thing that makes them other was a power that they could use to help people to save the world. And it was their super strength. Um, so that I really connected to, I'm Mexican American. I grew up in uh, Wisconsin. My mom is white. My dad is, you know, Mexican heritage. And so so I've, I always felt a little bit like other uh, and it was always sort of, you know, treated slightly differently. It's not like if people were rude to me or like, you know, like I experienced a lot of racism or anything like that, but I felt, I felt different. And uh, I certainly, you know, was treated a little different and people didn't know how to categorize me. And so I had, I really connected with that idea of the X-Men and the sense of otherness uh, that they experienced. And then there's, there's sort of another idea, you know, another type of superhero, which is like the vigilantes who um, sort of have this, you know, when, when you see that like law and order isn't quite functioning the way you want and, and criminals go free when they are out there. And it's interesting, you were talking about justice before and they go out and they take justice into their own hands, uh, which is, is something that I think a lot of people, you know, fantasize about. Um, so I think that those are sort of category categories that um, of, of, you know, superhero characters, three major categories that I experienced in my life. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not a comic book historian um, and I don't know every superhero that exists. So I'm sure there are more categories now and it's broader, but, um, but yeah, I think that, I think that, you know, those themes 
are sort of universal and people can relate to them uh, across the world. And it's part of the reason why it's such a big moneymaker making superhero movies. You know, I think that there's sometimes there's people you can, there's sometimes are you a Batman person or are you a Superman person? And and, uh, and by, by no means am I a big, comic guy i mean i love the stuff i love watching every movie it, i get into it i have my best friends are into it so i usually tap into them and say can you explain the background of this and but the batman part for me worked just because he's a human being right mm-hmm. now he has a tremendous amount of money he's very smart he's athletic and stuff um things that i'm not but it's still it's just that this this different than superman who's from another planet uh and and so if but, but batman is just is just a dude and he's an arrogant, you know, on the outside guy. And so there's this identification with, with him and he, he is fighting for justice for it. Um, can you explain to me, do you think the vigilant, let's get to the vigilante people, the folks, because we've seen this also in the rest of, uh, I think in Western cinema and TV, this, this idea of the, the tortured soul, the tortured soul whose maybe personal life is a disaster, but then their public, what they're doing for justice is great. Like we look at Dexter, Dexter is you know, a sociopath. However, Dexter is, is in some ways fighting this moral fight and taking people out into his own hands and you know, he's killing people. Um, or we, we look at, we, we just, we just kind of Goliath, right? He's a, he's, his, his, his personal life is, is terrible. He's a lawyer, he's a drunk, he's this and that, but he's fighting the fight and he's standing up for people in courtrooms. Nurse Jackie, same thing. Horrible mother, horrible wife, saving people's lives inside of the ER. Is that because just we, so they have superhero like qualities um, and these vigilantes, do they help us to identify better with them? And because it's like, you know what, I'm pretty broken, pretty messed up inside, but yet there's hope that I can still do good work, good in this world. Definitely. Definitely. I think so. I think it's, you know, and it's one of the, you know, aspects of, of uh, a lot of the superheroes when they were sort of broadening, broadening the world in the sixties when Marvel came about was the idea of like making them people seem more relatable, making the, the, the superheroes seem like they were normal people who are sort of thrust into these circumstances, you know, much like the, you know, the famous line in Spider-Man where it's like with great power comes great responsibility. And that's about the transition from being a normal person to being somebody who suddenly realizes they have power and how are they going to use that power? So you can be a terrible, you know, you might be a terribly flawed person, but then once you sort of become awakened to this idea that you, you have power and you have an ability uh, to make a difference, what are you going to do with that power? Are you going to use it to continue on this path of like, you know, you know, being selfish or being, you know, whatever focused on, on your own goals, or are you going to use it uh, selflessly to help people to make a difference? And I think it's one of the things that we all people hope for for ourselves uh, is that if we did come into that type of power that we wouldn't abuse it that we would mm. use it in the in the right way even if we are as flawed as the as other people the, you know part of the I think part of the thing that a lot of people and you know I'm not I was a psychologist but I think a lot of people feel powerless frequently in their lives and the idea that if we did suddenly gain power that we would do the right thing with that power uh makes us feel good about ourselves. It makes us feel like, you know, like, well, you know, I knew that I know that when I when I come into that situation that I'll behave in the right way. Uh, and and knowing that and imagining that about yourself, I think helps you find a core, you know, within yourself and something you can identify with the character, but also something in your, that you can, you know, uh, admire about yourself. So I think it, I think it does help people who who maybe 
think that they're not as perfect as some of the uh, superheroes seem sometimes. You know, and, and it's an interesting conversation as well when you look at, you know, those those characters that were created in terms of why they were created or how they were created. Um, you know, from a, a from a Jewish from a Jewish perspective, uh, you know, we Jews like to uh, to lay claim to majority of our of, of the superheroes. Thankfully. Um, uh, we wrote most of them because um, hmm? even when you look at the great superheroes like uh, you know like Superman, right? Jerry Siegel, Joseph Schuster, right? Jews in uh, Cleveland, Simon, Jack Kirby, right? Captain America, right? Mm -hmm. Batman, you know Stan Lee, X Men, all of these characters. But I think if we go back to you know even Superman, for example, right? We know Superman created 1938. Well, a year later, you have the brink of World War II. It's September 1st of 1939. And how much of that influence of the culture and the society in which they're writing in gets filtered through their messages in it? Um, I think it's actually quite significant. And, you know, Gabe, I, I actually love what you said about going back to the Bible about Goliath, about having, you know, um, um, this, this this strength. And, or, you know, Samson, um, um, Samson sorry. Samson having this, this strength through his hair. I mean, how much of that was picked up through our comic book creators to be able to say, you know what, maybe I am, I've heard the stories of the Bible and some of their, some of their strength, some of their courage, some of their fortitude is something that I'd like to highlight so that I can give in some degree, you know, I'll, I'll speak personally, look, as a kid reading a lot of these comics, um, it was about hope. It was, it was tuning out of the stresses and the challenges of the world and putting myself in a different world. Albeit, mm -hmm. I got a little bit older. I have an older brother, and you know, we used to put them in, you know, those 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 um, uh, clear sleeves, and you know, backing yep. and, <laughs> and breathe on them. Um, so I never actually got to enjoy majority of those comics because they were all like protected. You know, can't touch them. But there's something there about the creators who used their own life experience or world events to shape their 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 comic. I mean, just yeah. Yeah, I mean, very much so. I think that, you know, you know, when you look at Jerry Siegel, it's like he sort of, for the first time he came up with the idea of that Superman, this man who's bulletproof, was after his father died during a robbery attempt. And I think that, in, in, and he began to have this idea for somebody who might be able to save people like that from, from these kind of circumstances. And I think definitely uh, his experience and many of these creators' experiences as you know, being being Jewish in, you know, at a time when uh, Jews were being persecuted and when they were being bullied as kids and felt like outsiders and felt like they were being put down really, really contributed to to them, you know, creating these characters. I know I, I attributed the sort of the idea of otherness to X, the X-Men, but when you look at Superman, he also obviously is an, you know, he was an alien. He was born on Krypton. He comes to this country as an immigrant. And then he undertakes, he is able to disguise himself uh, as Clark Kent, which is a very, you know, genteel name. <laughs> like he, you know, he, and he, and he can walk among the people without being recognized for being uh, different or being an immigrant. And so there's, uh, there's obviously like a, you know, a bit of a, you know, a twisted idea in that, but uh, that, you know, it's like, a, you know, of assimilation and the, the needs for it, but it is what is his power is who he truly is uh, as Superman underneath. Um, so, so yeah. And I think that, you know, there is no, you know, it's, 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 it's like the, the rise of superheroes 
um, you know, with the start of World War II and the, the, the rise of, you know, Nazis in Germany and, and, uh, and fascism in Europe, it's like, there's, it's, it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, there's a Captain America on the cover, I think of Captain, the first issue of Captain America is punching Hitler in the face. You know, it's like this, I, this idea that it's like, you can fight against, there's a, there's a big evil in the world that needs to be fought against, that needs to be defeated and overcome. And uh, that's, that's part of the thing that it, you know, really fed the hunger for reading these books uh, for kids and for getting into it. I mean, you know, kids at the, at the beginning and then eventually, you know, adults and it expanded, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> Dave, how much of, of, when you do a lot of the writing that you do, how much do you either draw from your own personal life experience, um, you know, or, 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 or stuff that you're drawing from, you know, your own experiences? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, a, a lot of it, a lot of it. Um, because it's one of the reasons why you have so many different writers in a room discussing a story um, for television is so that you can get the different points of view so that everybody can approach it in a different way. And definitely we, you know, on Supergirl, we actually made, tried to make uh, a, a reflection of the times and, you know, what was happening in the country at the time. And like, like I said, Superman and Supergirl, uh, Supergirl is also from Krypton. Uh, so she is an alien and an immigrant, and um, and we took a look at the show um, since there were in within that show and within that universe a lot of aliens you know existed from outer space, and we uh, we sort of created a metaphor where those aliens were being treated in the way that immigrants are being treated uh, in the real world, and they were sort of being ostracized and blamed for you know bad things that were happening in the country and we sort of extended that metaphor so so we had a lot of like you know the current you know climate in the country and attitudes that we we're sort of dealing with and having those characters deal with and and represent on the show but definitely it's like you know my own personal experience has, has come into play uh frequently and uh you know, it was, you know, it's really interesting and fulfilling to see some, sometimes some, some attitudes or some point of view that I had that I, I didn't realize like other people had or connected to once it's on screen, you sort of see that it has a, has an appeal across. Uh, well, actually, I should actually say it was like when you're shooting the scenes sometimes, because then the actors will come up with you and talk about the truth that they see in the story or in the words, you know, it's very fulfilling to, to recognize, because it helps you recognize that the attitude you have or the point of view you have isn't yours alone and you're, it really makes you feel not alone in the world. And how much um, is, as you, how much did your writing, the superhero, uh, when you're writing a Supergirl, I'm just thinking now as a father, you know, so you mm -hmm. have, you have two girls? Yes, I have two little girls, yeah. So you have two little girls and uh, has that influenced your, or do you think that influences the writers of, writing characters that you, your your children would would aspire to and i'm just thinking of because those are the first people who like latch on to the superheroes mm -hmm. uh, right mm -hmm. and, and saying that i want i want my daughter to look up to this to, to super girl did that did it influence you know because it gets back to this this writing room and i think in hollywood is finally beginning we need to have these diverse voices forming these stories to have these lenses right that lens you just talked about about an immigrant coming from another from another planet. I don't know if that would have been so clear if it was just a bunch of white guys sitting around, right? Thinking mm -hmm. about that. But you get these collective voices, and there's always different lenses. And so one of those lenses is just being a parent, right? And so did that affect anything for for you with how with your development on Supergirl, other shows in general? Absolutely, a hundred percent. Yeah, I I do feel, um, and you know, I know, you know, there are 
all there's all types of entertainment and there's all types of you know people who want to create that entertainment but it is for me i do feel a certain uh responsibility to be part of you know creating content that that will you know help my my daughters when they see it feel inspired feel proud feel uh empowered uh by it so i mean working at supergirl like i said is a you know was an incredible thing to be a part of um, because there was, you know, one of the, one of the, one of the elements of storytelling, um, that, uh, people don't always notice is that in the, in the history and when, um, you know, when it was mostly, uh, when it was a majority men working in writing television and, and film, you would see stories where the men were the ones who were taking all the action, where they had the agency. And so what has changed is that it, now it's, uh, now it's different where it's like you have many more stories where it's the women who are taking agency or the people of color who are taking agency. You know, it's just, you, you have, you have sort of a, a change and, and those subtle changes of like, not just putting somebody's, you know, you know, face on, on the screen, but making sure that they're the ones who have the power to change the story and to drive the narrative. And so they're the ones everyone is connecting with. Uh, that's really important. Um, there are also like, you know, there are subtle, like little represented, you know, representation things like anytime when I was working on Supergirl, um, anytime you had a doctor or a lawyer, just a character who was like, had one or two lines to be a lawyer, it would always be she, like, I would always make sure those were, you know, women. So, so that it would be, that would sort of connected with the idea of Supergirl, because it also is about empowering, you know, empowering young girls and young women to see other people in all branches of the world and everyone Supergirl interacted with with power, making sure that there was, there was a diversity there too. So it wasn't just men. You know, I, I, I once preached on, um, on, Super, no, Wonder Woman. I mm -hmm. thought Wonder Woman one. Wonder Woman two was a travesty. Should never have happened. It's like got fired. But one, sorry, did you? You didn't write on that, did you? <laughs> okay. Your wife didn't. No. Okay, good. Okay, so wonder if I offend anyone. But Wonder Woman one, I thought was this, this. This, there's so much good theology there to play with, and there's there's about this idea of this godlike figure who comes to walk amongst us, who's not going to give up on the human race despite our frailty, despite our our, our violence, our hatred towards one another. She's willing to give up another world and say, I am in, I believe in these people because I've seen the love, I've seen the sacrifice of them. And it was empowering as a human race that this like kind of outsider who's godlike can come in and say, even though there's this other figure who says, look at them, look at their wars, look how horrible they are. They kill each other, they do genocides. These are horrible people, wipe them out. And she said, no, underneath it, I have seen sacrifice. I have seen love, I have seen selflessness. Um, and so then for that superhero to kind of bless the human race in a way to say, these humans are not just a waste of space. Underneath it all, they are these, I mean, from a priest perspective, they are all children of God. And if we can steer them and making the right choices, they will live into that love. And because it's there, the seed is there. Uh, I, I found that to be really powerful. So um, listen, we're, we're getting near the end and there's just so much more we would love to, to, to ask you and also just um, have, have your question though. And remember, we have four minutes, okay. Rabbi. You're, you're notorious for coming in the ninth inning and dropping a big bomb, and we have 30 seconds left in the shot clock. So can we just okay, put so that up? Big bomb um, that I'd like to ask. So, Gabe, of all the characters that you've read, that you've that you've been inspired by, of all of our superheroes that exist on this planet, which one is your favorite? Which one would you like to model after, and why? <laughs> good question. Wait, <laughs> that, is go, that is a great Rabbi. question. That is a great question. Way to go, Rabbi. 
I'll, I'll tell you the truth. When I was a kid, it was Wolverine. I loved Wolverine. He was a loner. He was tough. He sort of looked out for, you know, number one, but then he would meet people and he would care about them and be drawn into like driving for them. And he was very troubled in his past. And I sort of imagined I was troubled. I'm not, uh, <laughs> like, you know, I I've had a pretty nice life. So it's like, but as I've read more, it's actually Superman is the one <laughs> strangely. I mean, it's Superman slash Supergirl, where it's like, they, they, um, they both have this incredible power. Uh, and then it's like when they, you know, when they find this power, which, you know, I relate to as like my voice, uh, you know, as a writer, um, they, the, the decisions they make about what to do with it and what the burden of that power is and embracing that burden, sort of rising to that challenge is the thing that I really, uh, I really find inspiring and extraordinary. And there's just a, an incredible, you know, uh, the, the breadth of writing about Superman is, is, is amazing. There are so many different comics. He's, he's very different in, in one comic versus another. So I think, I think that there's a lot of different uh, attitudes and opinions that are reflected by that character that I think anyone can find something to connect with. Um, well, look at that, so Rabbi. Yeah. With 30 seconds left on the shot clock, you give the great assist. So John Stockton in the corner hit the nail in three. So listen, Gabe, people, I don't know if you can speak to any of the projects you're talking about. So I know a lot of times it's hush hush until it gets released, but is there anything you could tell us and inform us about what you're up to right now? Uh, I'm just, uh, I'm writing a pilot right now that is called Sueño. It's based on the life of a soccer player uh, named Jorge Villafaña. It's, uh, we're waiting to hear whether or not it's going to get picked up to, uh, to be shot and made into an actual television show. Um, but he has a really inspiring life where his career launched when he won a reality show competition and the prize was a professional soccer contract and he's made that into his life. <laughs> so that's what I'm working on now. Uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens with it. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but it's been a lot of fun. And I love soccer, so it was a great. It was this was also a great dream to, to be able to write this project. That's right. Gabe and I were uh, on the front lines together at Lake Forest Academy playing soccer. Gabe was a lot better than I was. Um, but listen, <laughs> man, uh, it has been awesome to have you on the show uh, and to just be introducing us into the life of what it's like to write in Hollywood for uh, for this content that we all see uh, to reflect on superheroes. Uh, but God bless you on El Sueño and your, the dream you're pursuing right now. Um, and uh, we love this direction you've given us it's about it's about being kind it's about hard work uh, it's also about being talented and and can be committed to, to that talent though um so this is this is really great stuff uh rabbi any parting words for our wonderful writer you know just just i think i think as, we, as we've gone through the show it's been it's been really uh it's just awesome um you know on behalf of you know priest and the rabbi thank you uh thank for, you God bless you, Gabe. We'll see you all next week here on A Priest and a Rabbi. Bye-bye.